Greetings, friend. Welcome back to the Wayfarer podcast. It is so good to have you along again today on this chapter day journey. Appreciate you stopping by. We're in Mark the seventh chapter, and it was verses 18 and 19 that resonated with me. Jesus says to his disciples, are you so dull? He asked, don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into the heart, but into their stomach and then out of the body. Today's podcast is entitled The Contrast. Now, when I was a young man, I spent a short period of time working in a county office building where I participated in the legal investigation and documentation of real estate transactions. Sounds really exciting, doesn't it? I did it for less than a year, but it was an eye-opening experience. I observed and learned how government worked under the control of a political machine. I observed and learned how people use the letter of the law to circumvent the spirit of the law to achieve their own selfish ends. I also learned and observed how people try to use real estate to con other people. And once or twice, I actually caught people doing it. It was, in short, a crash course for me as a young man in how the world works. Now, in yesterday's podcast and post, I mentioned that it's easy to get stuck looking at the text of the great story with a microscope while ignoring the bigger picture. I can lose the forest and the trees, as the old saying goes. In today's chapter, what resonated most with me was, once again, not mired in the minutiae of Jesus' words, but in the larger context of what's happening in the story, the Jesus story that Mark is giving us. Jesus' ministry at this point has taken place in the rural backwaters of Judea. If I were to use the United States for context, I would say that Jesus has been spending all of his time and energy in flyover country while avoiding both the coasts. All of the miracles, the crowds, the exorcisms have Jesus trending off the charts and the establishment has begun to take notice. Since the beginning of time, I've observed power brokers at the top of the political, commercial, and religious establishments have known to ceaselessly look for any threat to the stability of their power and the continuity of their cash flow. And I found Mark's observation fascinating. He said, quote, Jesus commanded these people whom he'd healed not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it, end quote. There's a lesson about shrewdness there. Now, the more they talk about it, the more of a potential threat Jesus becomes to the religious powers that be. In the beginning of today's chapter, Mark notes that an entourage of political and religious leaders from Jerusalem, from the capital, from the seat of religious power, have come to the backwaters of Galilee to see for themselves what all the hubbub is. And they enter the area like big fish coming to this small pond. But along the blue-collar shores of Galilee, they are not in their own environment, while Jesus is definitely in his. The Jerusalem entourage are here to find ways to discredit 
this threat to their control on the religious institution and the lives of all who adhere to it. They quickly find what they think they're looking for. They call Jesus out for not ritually washing his hands before supper, which the religious establishment long ago elevated onto their checklist of religious rituals and behaviors that they used to maintain their self-righteous judgment of who is naughty or nice, who is in and who is out. Now, Jesus' response resonated with me this morning because he calls them out on a point of legal order. Nowhere in the Ten Commandments or the Law of Moses was ritual hand-washing a thing. The religious types, over time, had created rules that were part of the legal codes, which codified and expanded the interpretation of the original spiritual principle. Jesus turns this into a very simple illustration that gets to the core of the contrast, the difference between his teaching and that of the institutional human religious establishment. The religious leaders made a spectacle of their religious hand-washing before meals to show how pious and righteous they were. Jesus quickly points out to his followers that at the same time, these same religious leaders had used the letter of the law to allow children, adult children, to avoid the obligation to care for their elderly parents. They allowed, these religious leaders allowed people to bring quote-unquote offerings as a charitable donation to the religious establishment. This offering would have otherwise been money that the adult children needed to pay for the care of their elderly parents. But instead, the religious institution allows them to bring these things as an offering, and then the adult children declare a form of bankruptcy and say, oh, I can't, I, I can't pay for my, uh, my adult parents, my, my elderly parents. My financial obligation to my elderly parents, I just can't meet that because I've given all the money to the temple, and the religious leaders said, oh, that's fine. We will absolve you of your responsibility to your elderly parents while they were pocketing the offering themselves. This is a version of what I observed and learned in the county office building when I was a young man. This is how the kingdoms of this world work. Now, Jesus' response was a simple word picture. Along with the hand-washing, the power brokers from Jerusalem also had a lot of dietary rules and restrictions. It fell into that category of religious rule-keeping. And Jesus' observation is so simple. Food, he says, goes in the mouth, through the stomach, and out the other end. Whether eaten with ritually cleansed hands or dirty hands, the food never passes through the heart. And the heart, from a spiritual perspective, is what matters. The distinction is essential. I quote Jesus, quote, It's what comes out of a person that pollutes. Obscenities, lusts, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, depravity, deceptive dealings, like offerings to get out of your responsibility, carousing, mean looks, 
slandering people on social media, arrogance for your own worldviews, foolishness, all these are vomit from the heart. There is the source of your pollution. That's Mark 7, verses 20 through 23 from the message. So this entourage will return to Jerusalem. Their dossier on Jesus will speak of a popular teacher among the poor and simple masses who follow him in throngs. They hang on his every word. They are won over by his miracles. And with that, he will be labeled an enemy of the institution. He threatens the stability of their power, their control over these masses in flyover country, and ultimately, he threatens the stream of cash flow from their religious racket. I mean, we are still a couple of years away from this religio-political machine condemning Jesus and conspiring to hang him on a cross. But the pieces are already moving on the chessboard. So in the quiet this morning, I find myself, once again, inspired by Jesus. See, the more I read the story and read his teachings, the more I see the contrast between the heart principles of the kingdom of God and the religious rule-keeping of the institutions of this world. I'm compelled to continue following the former with all my heart while exposing a ladder for what it is. In other words, I want to be more like Jesus. And I want to shun the religious institutions and establishments who point to their moral codes and their religious rules that are made upon the rules which are made upon the rules which are made upon the original principle and say, oh, well, this is what Jesus meant. I believe that humans will perpetually turn eternal truth into earthly rules and religious systems. C'est la vie. It's part of the fabric of a fallen world in this great story. Nevertheless, I get to choose every day which one I follow. So hang on, Jesus. I'm lacing up my shoes for another day right behind you. Where are we headed? I hope you are headed for good places, my friend. I'll see you back here tomorrow. Have a great day.